Well, thank you. It's uh, my pleasure and privilege to be here today. Uh, let's begin by looking to the Lord in prayer. Father, we, we do thank you for the opportunity, the freedom to gather together here today. And uh, Lord, may our time be about you. Uh, may you uh, may we remind ourselves uh, once again, Father, that you are the head of the church, you are the head of all things, and in you is the preeminence. Uh, Father, I, I pray that you would be honored, you'd be glorified, uh, Lord, that we'd be looking to you, Lord, that you would help me. I, I am just simply a, a vessel, and may I uh, be faithful to you this day. We do pray for uh, that, and we pray for Pastor Howell once again. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would bring healing to his body and uh, help him, Lord, uh, help the pain to subside. And we ask this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Well, let's begin this morning by taking our Bibles and turning to Revelation chapter 3. This is where we will be. And I'd like to read the message that Jesus Christ gives in the seven messages, Revelation chapter 3, the last message to the church at Laodicea. And if you'd stand with me as I read these verses, Revelation 3, uh, verses 14 through 22, uh, the message to the church at Laodicea, uh, the, the man-centered church. This is who they were. They, they were man-centered, and, and Jesus has no words of commendation for this church. They were a church, uh, but, but they were man-centered. So please follow along as I read. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot, I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth, because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him, and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. You may be seated. So they were a man-centered church. And as we look at this this morning, I... I like for us to consider this thought as we go through these verses. Am I Laodicean? Am I Laodicean? Are there ways in which I am Laodicean myself? Because it all comes back to us, doesn't it, as individuals. Individuals make up a church. 
And these seven churches would receive these different messages. And I think there's something in every message for us today to consider. And of course, this would be the the last, the message going out to this church. And these seven churches were located, uh, they were literal churches. They were located in modern day Turkey, as we would look at the map. And uh, this particular church was, was lukewarm towards Jesus Christ. And many people look at these churches and the way they were written and, and perhaps they follow the pattern of, of the, the history of mankind as, as we are in, uh, many would say, the Laodicean age, where we have grown colder towards the thing of Jesus Christ. You can just go back to the Church of Philadelphia and they had life and they had vision and, and they took the gospel out. But this church was certainly lacking. Well, Laodicea means the people rule. You break that word down, Laodicea, Laos, the first part means people, and Dikeo, the second part means to rule. The people to rule. It's where we get our word democracy from. The people rule. 51%, just a click over 50% is the decision that the people make. And, and this was the church where the people ruled. Jesus Christ was no longer supreme. Uh, they had things. They, they weren't dependent upon Jesus Christ. And today, it's called humanism when the people rule, isn't it? Uh, it, it's, it was a humanistic church. Uh, it, it was the old uh, survey says, survey says, and this is what we do. This is what the, the majority want. This is what uh, the greatest numbers show. And Jesus, since he knows all thing, things, he, he would be very specific with them and, and point out to them what their heirs were. And so here in verse 14, the Bible says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write. Jesus writes this letter. He gives this letter to the angel of the church, the messenger of the church, the pastor of the church, I believe. Right. These things saith the amen. And so first of all, he reminds them as to who he is. I need the reminder as to who Jesus Christ is. I I need that continually. We all need that. Every church needs that. These things right uh, saith the amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. He describes himself, first of all, as the amen. He is the true one. He is the truth. What he says is true. Jesus Christ is the amen. We, when, when we hear truth preached, what do we say? We say amen. We, we are saying, we are declaring that is truth. And I agree with it. Secondly, he says, uh, he calls himself, he declares himself as the faithful the faithful. Jesus Christ is the faithful. That means he is trustworthy. He and he alone is trustworthy. Uh, he is the faithful one. First uh, John 1 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is trustworthy to do that. He is trustworthy to do whatever he has said. Thirdly, he calls himself, he declares himself to be the true witness. Jesus Christ is the true witness of God himself. 
You want to see God? You look at the Son. We, we read what Jesus Christ has declared. He is the true witness. Let God be true and every man a what? A liar. We go to Jesus Christ. He is supreme. And then he says to them, he says, uh, he declares himself to be the beginning of the creation of God. He is the beginning. He is the beginning of the creation of, of God. He is the source. He is the origin. He is the originator of the creation of God. Now, people either believe that or they reject that. Satan always has his what? Counterfeit, doesn't he? And Satan comes up with his counterfeit. He comes up with his lie uh, called what? Evolution. And uh, so then you follow that and you believe, well, for the most part, you've gone from the, from the goo to the zoo to you. You know, that's the, that's what the source of mankind. But no, Jesus says that he is the beginning of the creation of God. Turn to John chapter 1 with me. John chapter 1, we, we, we believe this. We believe this by, by faith. Science justifies the, the originator of Jesus Christ. What is science? Science is the discovery of God's creation, putting it simply. Science is simply discovering God's creation. In John 1, verse 1, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then verse 3 says, All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. All things were made by him. He, 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 he spoke all things into existence. He, he spoke out of nothing, all things into existence. Ex nihilo, out of nothing. He spoke all things into existence. Turn with me over to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Verse 15 says, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, Jesus Christ. He's the image of the invisible God. Verse 16, for by him were all things created. By him all things were created that, that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. That word consister means that they are held together. This universe and everything in this universe is held together by Jesus Christ and his power. And he is the head of the body, verse 18. He is the head of the body. The church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Jesus Christ, back in Revelation to the, this message to the church at Laodicea, he is reminding them as to who he is. They have forgotten that. They, they have become man-centered. And so he reminds them, first of all, as to who he is. These things saith the amen, the faithful, and the true witness and the beginning of the creation of God. And then in verse 15, he says, I know thy works. I know thy works. Do we forget sometimes that Jesus Christ knows everything? He knew their works. He knew their hearts. He, he, he knew their thoughts. He knows my thoughts this very moment. He knows your thoughts this very moment. He knows our motives, doesn't he? He knows our motives. He knows what we're really thinking. 
And so he reminds them, he, he says, I know, thy, uh, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. The, their works weren't cold, their wor- works weren't hot. Uh, he'll go on, he, he'll, he'll say they, they are lukewarm, and they're, they're really useless. And he's using the comparison here of, of the water of the city of Laodicea. Laodicea was a wealthy city. But Laodicea had its water brought in through the aqueducts, and by the time it arrived, it was lukewarm. And neighboring cities would have, uh, neighboring cities to this, some would have the, the, the very cold waters, and, and there was another neighboring city that, that had the, the warm waters of the hot springs, and so they understood the quality of water. And he says that your works are neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. Verse 16, so then, because thou art lukewarm. They were lukewarm. This was their problem. Their works were lukewarm. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. They were useless. Uh, they weren't, uh, the, their works weren't based in, in, in the, the leading of the Lord Jesus Christ in their life. He doesn't commend them. They were man-centered. Uh, they, they, were, they, were, they were halfway. The word lukewarm here, and he, and he rebukes them. This is his rebuke to this church. Your, your, your works aren't hot, your works aren't cold, your works are lukewarm, and I'm, and I'm about ready to reject all of your works and spew them out of my mouth. To be lukewarm means to be indifferent. They were indifferent. Their, their works, their, their lives, their, their, their service, or so they were going through the motions. They, they had the motions uh, they were humanistic. For the most part, they, they were atheistic. They're living a life of atheistic Christianity. So indifferent, complacent, lethargic, self-satisfied, half-hearted, unusable. This is, they, they were stuck in, in neutral. They, they weren't really useful. They were lukewarm. And Jesus knew this. He knows everything. He knows, uh, as I said, he, he knows the hearts of, of all, us, all of us. Turn to John chapter 2. John chapter 2, verses 24 and 25. And here we see the, the account here it, it's, uh, of uh, Jesus with the, this, uh, these people. He says, but Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men. And needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. Amen. He knew their works. He, he knows us today. He, he, he knows whether or not we've been lukewarm or not. And once again, the message to me, the message to us, the message to the modern day church is, am I Laodicean? Do I have attributes of the Laodicean church in my life. And it has to begin with us. It has to begin with individuals. Individuals make up a church, don't they? They were lukewarm. They were pretty useless. Kind of like salt in Matthew chapter 5. When salt has lost its savior, it is good for nothing to be trodden underfoot of men. 
They had lost their influence. And he'll go on and he'll tell them why they're in this condition. Why they were lukewarm. Notice verse 17. Verse 17 is he's giving them the cause. Because thou sayest, as a church, because thou sayest, what? I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. They were cursed with physical prosperity. Notice what they say. They, 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 because thou sayest, Jesus says, because thou sayest, I am rich. This was their hard attitude. Not sure if they expressed it outwardly or not. Maybe they did. But, but this was certainly their hard attitude. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods. Uh, see, they were not only a survey says kind of church or man-centered kind of church, they were also a checkbook type of church. Checkbook says, I'm rich. I don't need to pray about anything. I don't need to consider anything. I don't need to find the will of God in anything. Oh, checkbook's going to take care of it. Once again, Laodicea was a wealthy city. It was a city of, of, of banking. It was a city of commerce. It was a city that uh, that was known for its textiles, its wool. They they had a black wool that they were known for. It it, it was a city that was was a medical center. They they produced a certain kind of eye salve. Uh, they, they were a wealthy city, and and these people came from that city, and they were lukewarm in in their in their attitude in their in their daily uh, actions. Uh, for the for the work of Jesus Christ, for the cause of Jesus Christ. And thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Wow. You know, we can get there too, can't we? We can forget. Oh, everything's going to be just the way it was. Everything's going to be fine. I, I don't need to, to seek the Lord. I don't need to commune with Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, we, we are dependent upon every breath that we take from Jesus Christ. And we need to, to, to get in that kind of a, a, a thought and kind of a relationship back with him. This is what he's desiring for them. This is the correction he's going to give them. You strayed from me. You're so man-centered. You know, they were dependent upon their, their, their wealth and their prosperity, their, their attitude about money. We have need of nothing. How arrogant. And how arrogant we are. When we're the same way. I don't need to pray. I don't need to hear from God. I don't need to take in his word. I don't need to listen. I just don't really need God. I'm fine. Is that mentality that we can slide into. That attitude that we can have. And this is what he's addressing. They were cursed with physical prosperity. We all often handle, I mean, if we're going to be realistic about this, we, we often handle adversity better spiritually than we handle prosperity. We, we, we tend to forget, don't we? And God knew that with the Old Testament people. And, and you know, they, they inherited a land that, that they, they didn't have to strive for and work for. And, and that, you know, and, and they would forget God. 
The second generation Christian, the third generation Christian. It's easy to, to forget the works of God, the power of God. And we need to rehearse and remember the, the works of God, the, the power of God in our lives in, in the past, and the power of God as he's worked through the word of God, the, the, the instances that we have. The Bible says what? These things are written for our admonition. The, the warnings about rejecting God and falling away from God and, and the, the, the remembrances of the power of God for those who went forward in faith. But they had need of nothing. They had a love of money. You know, the Bible says money isn't, isn't, uh, isn't a problem. The Bible says what? In, in 1 Timothy 16, it's, it says that the love of money is the root of all evil. The dependence, the love of money is the root of all evil. And they, they just did not need God. Their riches made them think and say that they had need of nothing. And so really, that, that's kind of, Jesus knew that about them. And he, 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 he tells them that. He, he, as many as I love, I, I rebuke. Uh, because thou sayest, number one, I am rich and, and increase with goods and have need of nothing, that they had these three declarations, but he, he gives them five things of truth as to what their real condition was. Notice the end there, verse 17. Thou knowest not that thou art, number one, wretched. You're wretched. You, you are spiritually wretched. Twice in the New Testament, the word wretched is used and. It's used here and it's used by the Apostle Paul who said, what, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Now, everything begins with getting what? Honest, doesn't it? We, we, we have to humble ourselves and, and, and get honest with God. I, I need to do that. You need to do that. All of God's children need to do that. Begins with honesty. Begins with a humility. Jesus says, you're wretched. Uh, and, and the word wretched means you are spiritually contemptible in my sight. Spiritually contemptible. Secondly, he says you're miserable. And, th and this word means uh, you're miserable, you're despicable. Spiritually, you're despicable. You're, you're proud and you're, you're self-centered and you're self-satisfied and, and you're arrogant you are despicable. You're, you're not depending upon me. I'm not your life source. In 1 John 1, they didn't see it, did they? They, they, didn't, they, they weren't being honest. They, they were deceived. 1 John 1, 8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Yes. And then verse 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The church at Laodicea needed a cleansing. They were deceived. They were neglecting Jesus Christ. Thirdly, he says, you're poor. You're spiritually poor. You're not rich. And then he says, you're blind. You can't see. You're not seeing the spiritual needs that you have in your own life. And you're not seeing the spiritual needs then of others, certainly, if they didn't see their own. And then he says, you're naked. You're, 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 you live in a city with commerce and textile industries and, and, and a wealth of uh, the, this wool that's being produced and sent out. Uh, but in all truth, you're, you're naked. 
You're blind. You live in a city that's got a medical center producing this ISAV that, that's very helpful for so many people. But spiritually, you're blind. You can't see. Spiritually, you're naked. You're not clothed in the white robes of, of, of Christ. Uh, righteousness as far as his working in your life and you're being clothed in, in all that he has for you. Now, th- they were in the, in the robes of, of the righteousness of justification. But he has more for the believer. Uh, and, and this is where they were missing it. Yes. They, they needed to return. And really, if you were, uh, 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 as I was thinking, if you were here for Sunday school, this message just dovetails with the morning Sunday school message, which was so good. Putting off and putting on and, and not yielding to the flesh and, and growing in, in, in our Christian walk. And if you missed that, I'd encourage you to go back and, and find that and, and listen to the Sunday school lesson of today. So th- this is where they were at. They thought that they were rich, they had need of nothing, and Jesus says, you're wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. Now he gives them the correction. Well, that's what Jesus would do, isn't it? He gives us the correction. He doesn't leave us out there to hang. Notice what he says in verse 18, but I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. Through the trials of life, through the trials of testing, buy a me goal. You know, they, they, they knew about wealth, they knew about finance, they, they, they were rich from the human standpoint. They had their gold and silver, but Jesus says, buy a me gold tried in the fire. The trials through the trials, through the trials of faithfulness, through the trials of life. The Bible says, with many trials and tribulations, we will enter into the kingdom of God. See, they were just letting their checkbooks take care of everything. They, they, they were just buying their way through life. They, they had no need of Christ. And, and Jesus just comes and, and he reproves them. And the reproofs of life are uh, reproofs of, of uh, instruction are the way of life, the Bible says. It, he rebukes them. He reproves them. But, and he gives them the corrections. Why? Because he is a loving father. God is a father who, who loves his children. And any father is going to give correction. Any father is going to turn the child from the wayward way back to, to what is the, the right way. And so he counsels them, counsels them by saying, buy of me gold tried in the fire. Take your Bibles and turn over to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Verses 3 through 5. Romans chapter 5. Verse 3 says, and, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations. Well, if we're not in the spirit, we don't glory in tribulations. If we don't see spiritually, we don't glory in tribulations, do we? And uh, I failed here, and, and perhaps you failed here, but if we look at things properly as God wants us to look at things, We can glory in tribulations or trials also knowing that tribulation worketh patience. The tribulations and going through tribulations, they they will work patience or endurance as we have the right attitude about them. 
And God's word teaches us this. It reminds us of this. We, we look at the lives of other believers and we see where, where, where they had the mind of God as they go through tribulations and trials. Verse four, and patience or endurance leads to experience or character. We, we develop Christian character in our lives. And, and experience or character then brings us to the point of hope. We have hope. We, we have the expectations. We know the expectations of God. And hope maketh not ashamed because we, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. So Jesus says, you need to buy of, of me gold tried in the fire. Be faithful. Find me to be faithful. Depend upon me. You, you have left me. Uh, restore the relationship with me. I, I am to be your all in all. Uh, not your wealth. Uh, n- n- not these other things. Turn with me now to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And whenever we forget God's word, we, we, be, we are becoming Laodicean. And as I said, this is a message to that church at Laodicea. But as we go through here, we, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to look at our hearts. Am I Laodicean? Have I become Laodicean in some ways in my life? And we have to ask the Holy Spirit to search our hearts, even King David you know, we, we are to discern our own lives, no doubt. But even David called upon the Holy Spirit of God. God, you search my heart and you see if there be and know my way and see if there be any wicked way in me. Because we can't always discern ourselves properly, can we? They certainly weren't. Well, here in James chapter one, verses three and four. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. It develops, it works patience, it works endurance, the trying, the testing of your faith. Buy of me gold tried in the fire, Jesus Christ said. And then verse 4, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect or mature, complete, and entire, wanting or lacking nothing. Jesus says, depend upon me in your trials, because we're all going to have them. You've had them. Uh, unless you're very young here today, you've... You've all experienced trials, haven't you? And Jesus says, look to me in your trials. And then First Peter chapter 1, if we would look there. See, they were neglecting Jesus Christ, the head of the church. They were a man-centered church. First Peter 1, verses 6 and 7. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness, through manifold temptations, manifold trials. Verse 7, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. This is what he's saying to them. I counsel thee to buy of me gold, true gold, spiritual gold, tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, that you might be truly rich, that you might be spiritually rich. You're, you're rich in Christ. You've tested him. You've tried him. You've found him to be true. You're, you're spiritually rich. You're not living in your flesh and grumbling and fighting against everything that comes your way. That thou may be rich and have white raiment. 
uh, not the raiment of, of the wealth of the textile industries of the city that you live in, but you truly will have the righteous white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. Get the eye salve that I can provide you, that you can truly see, uh, not, the, not just simply living in the physical realm, but in the spiritual realm. Having your eyes open to spiritual truth, having your heart open to spiritual truth. They had been blind to their own condition. And then he says in verse 19, as he continues to give this correction to this church, this man-centered church, this church that had drifted away from the preeminence of Jesus Christ, he says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Be zealous and repent. Uh, to those I love, I, I rebuke. I, 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 uh, he says a rebuke here. He, a, a rebuke is a charge of being guilty. I'm rebuking you. I'm charging you as guilty. I, I would think perhaps just about every father has rebuked his children at some point, right? It, it's, it's just a natural way of life. You, you, you charge as guilty when, when the guilt is there, when the wrong is there. Why? Because you want a turning. You want a correction. And then he says as well, I rebuke and chasten. I, I chasten. I, I discipline. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Let's turn over there. And, and this is the way of, of God our Father. This is the way of, of a father. Hebrews 12, verses 6 and 7. And for the most part, it's repeated in, well, it's first in Proverbs 3.12 and repeated in Hebrews 12, 6 and 7. For whom the Lord loveth, he what? Chasteneth. He disciplines. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If he endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? And so the Lord Jesus says to this church, as many as I love. He loved them. They had strayed. I, I love you, I rebuke, and I chasten you. And then he says, be zealous, therefore, and repent. To be zealous. You, you think you've ever been zealous about anything in your life? Most likely you have. Are you a fan of any kind of sports team? Have you ever shown any zealousness in that regard? Or any kind of activity. You know, let's just be honest. We get zealous about things, don't we? Uh, you know, it doesn't have to be a sports team. It can be something else. We, we can be quick to be zealous about certain things. That we really believe in. That we, that, that we are really serious about. And the word zealous here, he says, be zealous and repent. Be of zeal. Burn with seriousness. Burn with zeal. He, he's speaking to them. He, he's, he's being very direct with this Laodicean church. And the, 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 word, the country that we live in today, I mean, we, we've experienced for the most part uh, so many blessings, haven't we? 
We, we, we certainly see a change. We see what's happening in, in, in our nation, uh, turning away from God, and, and, and a nation that rejects God is going to reap the results. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. God's not going to be mocked. But for the most part, we, we have experienced blessings. And he says, be zealous and repent. Repent is, is to change your mind. And, and that comes when the Holy Spirit of God is able to speak to us. This is a message to a certain church, but as we go through it, I have to ask myself, you have to ask yourself, am I being Laodicean? Have I been Laodicean in some areas in my life? Have I had a self-dependency? Have, have I gotten away from Jesus Christ? Has my relationship with him uh, really, really uh, been, been at a very low point? Be zealous and repent. Change your thinking. Repent. Change your mind. Change your thinking. Repent and be hot, not lukewarm, is what he's saying. We certainly repent when we get saved, don't we? We change our mind. Luke 18, I believe it is, the, 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 there's the Pharisee and, and, and there's the publican. And, and, and he was convicted of his sin and, and he, he could not even lift up his head. But he said what? Oh, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said that man went down to his house justified, declared righteous in the sight of God. He was under conviction. He... he, he uh, he had an open heart to the Holy Spirit's working. So we repent when we get saved. And, and then we're what? We're freed from the penalty of sin. And as believers, we need to continually repent so we are freed from the what? The, the power of sin. The penalty has been paid. Sin, uh, the sin's penalty. But, but we have to repent when, when we go away, when we reject uh, the, the, the teachings of Jesus Christ, uh, New Testament Christianity, how, how God, God's ways are always best for us anyway, aren't they? And so there is to be an ongoing perpetual repentance in our life, in our heart's attitude in regards to, to sin. And they, they had sinned. They had neglected him. Now we, so he, he gives them he gives them what they need to know to make the corrections, doesn't he? Verse 18 and verse 19, he lays it out. I counsel thee, thee to buy me gold tried in the fire. Verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. And then verse 20 is an interesting verse. Verse 20, of course, goes right along with what Jesus is saying to this church at Laodicea. And he's calling them to repent and you know, the, the three rules of Bible interpretation are what? Context, context, context. And many times verse 20, is, it's used as a salvation verse. And, and maybe there's even people here today sitting here. That, you, know, you, you got saved through the presentation of this verse. But, but the context of verse 20 here is, is calling this church, calling these people back to himself, to, to fellowship, to sweet fellowship with him. Uh, repent, be zealous, repent. Verse 20, he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's at the church door. He's knocking. He's outside the church. He's outside the, the lives of the believers. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man 
hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. It's the picture of, can I come in? Can I be a part of your life? Can we fellowship together? Can we have sweet fellowship together? Jesus fellowshipping with his disciples. Think Think of the scene of the Last Supper. They were dining together, dining and eating a meal together is a time of, of fellowshipping. You have, a, you have a church meal together and people sit down together. Whether they do, they talk, they, they converse, they, they fellowship. And, and Jesus says, uh, if any man, I stand at this door and knock, you've locked me out. You, you've forgotten me. I, I, I'm not the center. Uh, I, I'm not the core To the church, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him. I will come and be with him and will will sup with him and he with me. This is the picture of a sweet fellowship with Jesus Christ. And as individuals, how do we do this? Jesus, we, we allow Jesus Christ to be the center of our lives. We allow Jesus Christ to to be the one that that, that we consult, the one that we commune with, the one that we hear from. We we hear his word. We listen to his word. We we, we take it in. We we read it. We listen to it. We we listen to preaching. We we think about Jesus Christ. What, what, What does Jesus want? We meditate upon his word, don't we? We memorize his word. We 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 talk to him. We receive his word. Then we talk to him. We go to him. Why? Because we're needy. Yes. We're helpless on our own. Right. We have a helplessness on our own. So we go to him. And he wants us to go to him in prayer. The Bible says where to what? Pray to him without ceasing. And we go and say, Lord Jesus, uh, could you help with this? And, and, and Lord, Lord Jesus, we need your help in this way. And we have no power of ourselves. And this is what he's saying to them. This is, this is what's been lacking. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. You don't have to pray out loud to pray to the Lord Jesus. You can be praying to the Lord Jesus quietly in your thoughts and in your mind throughout the day. As you go throughout your day, as you have opportunity. And so this... Is what was lacking. They were having Christianity without Christ. Why? Because they were man-centered. They weren't seeking Jesus Christ. They didn't see themselves as needy and helpless. They didn't really see themselves as wretched and, and poor and so forth. And Jesus says, can I come back in to your midst? He says that to each of us as individuals. He says it to his churches. If any man, if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. And then verse 21 and verse 22. To him that overcometh, and, and, and this is a, uh, verse 21, 22, we find these in the, in the conclusions to the other letters to the seven churches. To him that overcometh, well, an overcomer is a believer. It's a saint. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and, and am set down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, 
Let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Uh, this message is, is a needy message for every, every local church. It's a needy message for every individual. And as I said as we started, there are messages in each of these seven letters to these seven churches for each of us today as well. So as we close today, has the Spirit of God spoken to you specifically about any way that you have drifted? Any way that you are Laodicean? If so, what does he say about that? Be zealous and repent. Be zealous and repent. And, and, and that happens when we open our hearts up to the Holy Spirit's desire. Because he is the one who does what? Convinces or convicts of sin in our lives and righteousness as well. You know, we're all going to face one day what's called the judgment seat of Christ, aren't we? And we read about the judgment seat of Christ and what's going to be judged there? Not our salvation, that's been taken care of, but our works. Whether they go up and as wood, hay, and stubble or, or gold and silver and precious stones. And some who have no works, uh, they're going to be saved, but the Bible says, yet is by what? Fire. That's, not, that, that's really something that no believer wants in their life. And that, that's not a necessary thing at all. And this church here was really not a useful church. And so we love him because he first loved us. And his ways are perfect and his ways are best. So let's just have every head bowed as we close here this morning. First of all, God calls everyone to come to repentance and salvation, doesn't he? He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance for salvation. If you're here and you've, you've never called on Jesus to, to, to be your Redeemer, your Savior, to grant you the pardon for your sins, and the Holy Spirit is convicting you now, that, then you believe that Christ died for your sins, because you're a sinner, as all are sinners. He died for your sins, and through your faith and trust in him and him alone, you can have your sins forgiven. And then secondly, the message to believers Am I Laodicean? Has the Holy Spirit spoken to any of you here today? Yeah, I've been drifting. I, I've been living without Christ. I haven't regarded him as the preeminent one, as the all in all in my life. I've been self-satisfied with my own efforts. Has God's Holy Spirit spoken to anybody like that here today? If so, just be honest. It begins with honesty. You know, in the early days in America, after the great awakenings that we had, uh, it was common the, the churches would have the front rows be called the mourner's benches because of the Holy Spirit's working in people's lives and, and uh, convicting them and bringing them to a point of honesty and humility and, and confession. And I encourage you to to not put off anything if God has, has spoken to you because Jesus knows. He knows us all. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the importance of it. We thank you for your love. 
We thank you for this message here today. Lord, may we not be lukewarm. And Lord, may we look to you and not to ourselves. We need this, Father. You want to fellowship with us. May we return to the sweet fellowship of Jesus Christ. May our hearts cry as we awake in the morning. In the morning, give me Jesus. We ask it in his name. Amen.